Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Security in Color, your weekly resource for cybersecurity and cloud security news. I'm your host, Dominique West. Thank you for coming back if you are a returning listener. And if you're brand new to the Security and Color Tribe, welcome. (laughs) I took a break from recording and releasing episodes last week because it has been a pretty hard week for myself and others, I am sure. Uh, There was just a lot going on in the world with work And I unfortunately lost a family member and I just needed some time. I just needed a break. I just couldn't. I, I, it was hard, let's just say. So I, I pretty much avoided social media as much as I could. I didn't respond to people if I didn't feel like it. I'm sorry (laughs) if you reached out. I just didn't have it in me and I did what I wanted and it felt really, really nice. Like it just felt nice to not feel like I have to be on or present, so to speak, um, or I should say present outside of what I needed for myself, because that is important. You know, I'll be talking about self-care on here. <laughs> so I had to do that for myself, right? I realized I was doing a lot of things. I've been saying a lot of yes. I've been saying yes a lot lately. And I don't regret saying yes, but I know sometimes I say yes to a lot of things. And then next thing you know, my plate is full and my therapist is not yelling at me, but she's like, girl, we talked about this. Like, what are you doing? So yeah, I had to take a step back. Um, and I think I'm just definitely going to be starting doing that more. I've been feeling feeling a little bit guilty about, I got to slow down because again, my New Yorkness be coming out and I just talk really fast, <laughs> but I've been feeling a little bit guilty about, you know, taking off of work, especially because, you know, we're still at home for the most part. Georgia is open, but I am not open. I keep saying I'm not going outside like that, or at least going in public places like how I used to be. So I just, for me, when I take off of work, that means I'm going away somewhere. I'm traveling somewhere. I'm going on a beach, hopefully, um, and just taking time off. But I know that the weekends are not enough anymore. And I definitely need to take some 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 staycation time off kind of thing. I used to hate staycations because I thought they were pointless. But, you know, they might, they might, they might serve a purpose <laughs> nowadays. So I hope you guys are also being safe and, you know, keeping your mental sanity in check and together and taking the time off like I am of like avoiding social media. You really can get caught up in that thing. Like we already know how social media can just make you feel like less than or that you know, you're you're competing and all of that. But with the chaos and the misinformation and everything just going on, it at this point, I I if I didn't have to be on it, I really wouldn't. I would just shut everything down and like just distance myself. But, you know, all my friends and family. And it's I'm already sucked in, so I just I can't avoid it. <laughs> And other news, we are officially in June, and that means halfway through the year. It's really hard to even say that right now. <laughs> We're halfway through the year because this year has felt long and yet short at the same time. And like, not that nothing has gotten done, but it feels like nothing has gotten done. And I, I, I personally am saying that I'm not turning in age this year. <laughs> okay, I'm turning in age next year when 
things hopefully resume and I can travel and do my big birthday trip that I wanted to. My birthday is in the later half of the year, but the way that this year is looking, I just don't want to cause any kind of issues or whatever if I try to leave the country. So I'm going to probably play it safe this year, which means I'm not turning a, a year in an, an age. I turn an age next year. I feel like if they can do it in Korea, I can do it as well. So anyway, <laughs> with that, let's see what's in store for today's episode. Today's Cyber News covers the possibility that the hacker group Anonymous is responsible for a recent city defacement, a recent data breach disclosure from Home Chef, we have some 5G conspiracy theory warnings, an update on the Capital One breach that might set a precedent for a lot of breaches going forward, and the latest info from the recent Verizon data breach report. Let's jump into today's news. This past weekend was filled with headlines, videos, and more as social media kept track of the protests going on across the nation in response to the senseless murder of George Floyd by a police officer. One headline and video you might have missed is suspected to have come from the infamous group called Anonymous, who successfully disabled the Minneapolis Police Department's website. Anonymous is a decentralized hacker collective that is widely known for its various cyber attacks against several government institutions, agencies, corporations, and even the Church of Scientology. Now, the websites of both the city of Minneapolis and their police department were inaccessible late Saturday, and as of early Sunday, they still were having access problems. It was suspected <laughs> that these sites were attacked using a DDoS attack, something we've mentioned before on this podcast. DDoS attacks, aka distributed denial of service attacks, occur when a multitude of traffic floods the bandwidth of a target system. So for example, in this case, if the hacker group Anonymous had access to and let's be honest here, they probably really do have access. <laughs> but if they had access to a ton of botnets, they could easily flood the websites of their city and take them down in seconds. It's believed to be a DDoS attack because users going to the websites pointed out that they were being required to enter a CAPTCHA to verify they weren't a bot, signifying that their hosted internet security firm is trying to mitigate unwanted traffic from verified traffic. Now, this website attack came two days after a Facebook page claimed to be affiliated with Anonymous posted a video saying it will be exposing the many crimes of the Minneapolis Police Department to the world and that this week's killing of George Floyd is merely the tip of the iceberg in a long list of high-profile cases of wrongful deaths at the hands of officers in this state. As the investigation of George Floyd is underway, I am sure more news is to come, so I will keep you updated as it is made public. During this pandemic, many people have turned to meal kit delivery companies to help ease the burden of grocery shopping, especially when it was a risk to go to the grocery store in person to shop. While unfortunately, meal kit services are not exempt from attacks or breaches, as Home Chef, a popular delivery company, has been the latest to disclose a breach. A notice was posted on the Home Chef website detailing how the company recently learned of a data security incident impacting selected customer information. Now, this information included email addresses, names, phone numbers, 
actual home addresses, encrypted passwords, and the last four digits of credit card numbers. Many of this information is considered PII, which stands for Personal Identifiable Information. PII in the wrong hands, especially with additional information from this meal home kit service like the frequency of deliveries, can allow an attacker or fraudster to figure out how to devise a way to do harm to its victims. For example, if I now have your home address and know that you can expect a delivery every Friday morning, then I can wait for UPS to deliver your package and disguise myself as a worker. From there, I can ring the doorbell, wait for you to answer, and try to enter your home. As far-reaching as this may sound, unfortunately, many fraudsters do think this way and see it as an easy way to rob someone. And while the, the password stolen were encrypted, there are tools that cybercriminals can leverage to decrypt them and gain access to a number of other websites if the victims reuse passwords across accounts. And according to an online security service by Google last year, 65% of users currently reuse passwords. Now, good password hygiene is something I preach heavily on this podcast, and it is really the most underutilized safety mechanisms you can use. It is not a foolproof way to keep people out, but it really, really does help. And if you have used Home Chef recently or in the past, check out their website for the notice and change your passwords ASAP. As if there isn't enough chaos and misinformation occurring in the world, the Department of Homeland Security recently had to issue alerts to wireless telecom providers about potential attacks on cell towers and their workers by 5G coronavirus conspiracy theorists. Now, 5G is still very new and unknown to most who do not directly work in the tech industry or telecom. And the warning outlined how they may already have been arson and physical attacks against cell towers in several states across the nation. Now, this warning came about after the wide speculation that 5G can spread the coronavirus by suppressing the immune system or by directly transmitting the virus via radio waves. Now, 5G health issues or health issues regarding different telecom services, these kind of theories, they're not new. And they have been around since just the time of digital evolution. Back in 2003, social media claimed that the SARS outbreak was caused by the introduction of 3G and that 4G brought about the swine flu in 2009. And now in the year 2020, with the ramp up of 5G networks across the U.S., theories are swirling that 5G is the culprit of the coronavirus. Now, while these claims have been debunked by fact and are publicly available for anyone to see and research, 5G conspiracy theorists decided to take this a step further by setting fires to large telecom masts. Now, you might see these masts, they're like the pointed cell towers that we typically see that's around. These are much smaller, so you might have seen them. They're, they're typically on... Most blocks where they're just the the poles that connect the different um, services or power throughout the neighborhood, so to speak, they're now either trying to input or I should say um, install the five G um, 
boxes on these masks or they're creating their own special 5G mask. It depends on who the cell carrier is or who it is that's installing. But you probably have seen something similar to these masks that I'm talking about like around your neighborhood. And a Facebook post in April to 22 on April 22nd of this year, encourage individuals associated with anarchist extremist ideology to commit acts of sabotage by attacking buildings and 5G towers across the world in furtherance of an international day of sabotage. Now, the U.S. isn't the only one facing these issues, as the U.K. has accounted for almost 60 masks being set ablaze, with government officials fearing more is to come as the coronavirus continues to spread. The DHS alert included advice on reducing their risk of attack by installing appropriate sensing and barriers, having cyber intrusion detection systems, having closed-circuit television, and monitoring drone activity near towers. An advisory has also been made to increase security and protection for telecom workers who are out just doing their job. And the the World Health Organization also maintains a list of COVID-19 myths, including the one about 5G. So if you're interested in learning more about 5G or if you're just interested in just understanding about these myths, I do encourage you to go to the World Health Organization website or other reputable websites that have more information about how these things might be affecting your health if they are affecting your health or what 5G is actually about. 5G is a topic that's being talked about everywhere and everyone, mainly because a lot of cell companies are just trying to get you to buy their 5G products or, you know, the new 5G cell phone that's equipped XYZ. But it's also important to understand where you're getting your information from and if that information is true or just misinformation just, you know, out here because there are people who just want to start chaos, right? They just want to start trouble. They want to put doubts in your mind. And I'm a big believer of getting the facts. Like (laughs) I base a lot of my decisions on facts because, you know, opinions while you know, I believe everyone is entitled to have an opinion and opinion is that fact. So therefore, please go get the facts. By now, I am sure you are familiar with the Capital One breach last year that became one of the biggest data breaches in history. Now, while the shock of it has died down, the company is still going through the aftermath as they are being sued by affected customers. A judge in the U.S. District Court in Virginia has recently ruled that Capital One must allow its plaintiffs to review a cybersecurity firm's forensic report related to the bank's 2019 data breach. Now, the bank tried to stop this by protesting it is a protected legal document, but the judge stated it is a result of a business agreement and is not relevant to be protected. Now, this ruling is significant because it can set precedent for future companies to be held accountable based off of information from a cybersecurity or security report. Now, security assessments are and should be commonplace for all companies, but especially for larger firms such as Capital One. Now, these reports outline and break down security-related behaviors in the company that were successful and where they failed. These reports are supposed to garner action for the company to improve its posture and better protect its data. Resulting breaches down the line signify the lack of due diligence a company takes. 
Now, this report in particular was a result of an engagement activity from the cybersecurity firm Mandiant over a period of several years. It is expected to have details of their security engagement, including recommendations for remediation, and will tell whether or not Capital One actually did it. Now, by the judge allowing this document to be viewed by the plaintiffs and used in possible trial, that information could be very damning for them and companies in the future who will be sued. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out in court if they go to trial or if they will settle or how this precedent will take place in the future. In our very first episode of this podcast, I went over cybersecurity predictions I thought would pan out in 2020. Every year, security professionals and firms make and research predictions that could help us understand what the threat landscape could be for the upcoming year. One way for us to do these predictions is through the research and reporting from reputable companies, such as the Verizon's Data Breach Investigations Report. Every year, the Verizon security team publishes a report with the insights of threats affecting the cybersecurity landscape. The 2021 came out recently, and I wanted to provide an update to what has happened thus far, what one can expect for the rest of 2020 and beyond. Now, the critical takeaways from the report is that denial of service attacks, something we just talked about in a previous segment, ransomware and financially motivated attacks have all spiked in the past year. Something that I mentioned because ransomware is pretty lucrative for attackers, especially because there are companies still out there paying money. So until we can get a handle on kind of like a universal way of dealing with that kind of um, attack, uh, you know, attackers are still going to try to do it if they can make a money from some little small company who they know probably don't have a way to back their stuff up or don't have the money to get help and they'll just pay. Misconfiguration, something I also put on my list, uh, are still occurring and are increasing as expected. But something that I found pretty surprising is that cyber espionage, which is just the practice of trying to gain access, you know, to confidential information from something like a government or like a really big organization, something like Apple or Google, that is down this year, taking up only 3.2% of data breaches when it was 13.5 in the year prior. Now, while on-premise or traditional data center breaches account for 71%, cloud assets have increased or involved in 22% of breaches currently, something we also spoke about increasing because as everyone's moving to the cloud, attackers are also pivoting their attacks to the cloud as well. Of affected industries, Healthcare, finance, and manufacturing round out the top three attacked, respectively. And reports like this one is really useful for security teams to go through to understand their current threat landscape and plan accordingly. And it's just really cool information to learn and kind of helps you as you go along and you really learn how, you know, the threat landscape is going, how security teams plan things. If you are someone who's interested in perhaps Pivoting into security if you're not there yet. Reading stuff about this will definitely help you with things like interviews, right? So I know something that was really important to my last company was understanding how do I get my security information, right? And they specifically asked, like, 
what do you read? <laughs> like, what do you read? How often are you looking up security things? And luckily, prior to me even doing this podcast and my platform, I was reading, you know, security blogs or other security news outlets. So I was able to speak to some of them. So saying something like, hey, I read the Verizon, you know, data security investigation. I forgot the name already. D- DBIR. <laughs> the Verizon report, you know, that's where I get a lot of my information. And that's a pretty reputable one, right? So that will look good for you in an interview when they're like, hey, like this person is clearly keeping up with security. You know, they might not have any experience in it, so to speak, like hands on, but they are keeping up because they are very serious about being a professional. So I highly advise you to take a look at this one or some others to really get some insight. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode please consider leaving a rating or comment in Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to our website at www.securityincolor.com. Be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.